Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Fifteen. Begin reading at verse 8 down to the 10th verse. I'll read aloud as you follow in silence this evening. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being here tonight, Lord, for this church that has been a lighthouse to its community. And my desire, Lord, number one, is to glorify you, to be a blessing to the pastor and his people, and to challenge and encourage, Lord, for the sake of worldwide evangelism. I pray, Lord, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, that they would be saved. If there's someone, Lord, who's on the teeter-totter of decision concerning a call into full-time ministry, that you would pull them in, Father, so that they would surrender their lives. And then, Father, if there's someone here who's hurting or discouraged, I pray that you would help them tonight. Father, thank you for your word. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. We know that Jesus spoke in parables to speak to us in a way that we would understand. A parable of Christ is a heavenly truth hidden in an earthly story. The Bible teaches us that Christ chose only a certain select few to truly understand them. Luke chapter 8 verse 10 says, And he said unto you, It is given to you to know, it is given to, you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to others in parables that seeing they might not see, and hearing that they might not understand. So God has given the child of God the ability to understand wonderful truths hidden in earthly stories, tabernacled in earthly stories, so that we could understand these truths that sometimes are so high that the human mind can't perceive them. The spiritual truth in the parable that we read tonight is about lost sinners being saved. We've entitled Luke chapter 15, the chapter of the lost and saved. We read about a lost sheep, and then we read about a lost coin, and like we just read, and then of course the prodigal son coming home. You see, Christ is seeking the lost to save them. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You ever heard somebody say, I found Jesus? It's not biblical. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I wasn't looking for Jesus, but he sure was looking for me. Christ is seeking the lost to save them. The ultimate goal is for Christ to rejoice. Listen closely, church. The ultimate goal is for Christ to rejoice over finding what he has been looking for to save. Tabernacled in these verses is verse 7, when the, when the sheep is found. 
It says, I say that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Of course, in our text verses, likewise I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repented. And when the prodigal comes home, of course, there's a great celebration. Here's the bottom line. When a sinner gets saved, there is rejoicing in heaven. And the first one who rejoices is none other than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And like uh, when, when Jesus is happy in heaven, everybody is happy. Amen? I know the saying is, if mama's happy here on earth, everybody's happy in heaven, it's Jesus. But it's the ultimate goal of seeing sinners saved. Sinners are the ultimate joy for Christ being saved. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The ultimate joy for Christ is seeing the joy for which he died for, seeing men and women, boys and girls, red and yellow, black and white, to be saved by his blood, to know that their sins are forgiven and they're on their way to heaven. That's the ultimate joy of Christ. And thus it should be our joy as well. We should also be excited and, and joyful when souls are saved. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, writing to this church that he cared for so greatly, he says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, watch now, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. The souls of Philippi were a great joy to the Apostle Paul. Now this parable of the lost coin reminds me of my lost gypsies. If the message were to have a title, it would be entitled Finding Lost Gypsies. I want to see some similarities with this lost coin and my people, the gypsy people. Let me give you a few thoughts very briefly tonight. Like the coin, the gypsies are lost but dear, or they're precious, or they're of great value. Yes, they're lost wicked sinners. They steal and lie and cheat. Some are adulterers and prostitutes. They're dirty in Eastern Europe and they smell. They're lazy and they're beggars. And to the world, they're of no value. You saw the names listed at the beginning of the presentation. All those terms, Tigan, Gitano, Zigoina, Giftos, all means the same thing. The undesirable, the unwanted, or the disposable people. It's documented that Hitler and the Nazis killed 600,000 gypsies in the Holocaust. Not to forget the 6 million Jews or the hundreds of thousands of military allied persons who gave their life in that war, but 600,000 gypsies were slaughtered at the hands of a madman because these were people who were disposable, people who were unwanted. They're of no value to the world. They're the world's disposable people, the world's throwaways. And, and gypsies are, are people many times that are looked down upon, but they are of great value to God, so valuable that God sent his son for die for them because they are included in John 3.16. They're of great value to Christ, so valuable that Jesus shed his blood for them. Romans 5, 6 says, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. I'll be the first to raise my hand, raised from the time I was a small boy to lie, steal, and cheat for a living. If I performed the con, my parents would reward me. If I didn't perform the con, my parents would reprimand me. That'll confuse a 10-year-old boy. And like the Apostle Paul, I considered myself to be a chief of sinners. But watch now, God reached down to the muck and mire of this wicked planet, and he saved this gypsy soul and I give him all the praise and glory and honor and some would say brother Stevens you have a dynamic testimony God really had to reach down to the gutter of this world to save your wicked soul may I remind you church that we all come from the same gutter 
was in a different cross to save me than it was to save you. God sees the value of the eternal soul and not the temporary spotted flesh. The Bible says in the 23rd verse of the book of Jude, others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Watch now, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Church, we don't have to like the outside, but we do have to love the inside, that eternal soul that belongs to God because God says in Ezekiel, behold, all souls are mine. And the Calvinists will say, well, let's all go home if all souls belong to God. Well, some of God's souls have been kidnapped. They're being held hostage. And God has called us to the, go to the hostage and to tell them that if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God wants us to reach the lost with the gospel. Yes, we're focusing on the outside, but may I remind you, church, tonight, that the soul has no ethnicity. The soul has no skin color. The soul has no economic bracket and they belong to God and he wants us to reach them. Like the coin, this coin was dear and valuable to this woman. We see that she's looking for it. Now the coin had actual monetary value. It was silver, but there was more value to this coin than just the monetary value. To understand the context of our story in many Eastern cultures and even amongst the gypsy culture today, a head covering is what the, to a woman is what a wedding band is to you and I. The married women in our culture wear head coverings. The young maidens don't wear them. And so what the, what the wedding band is to you and I, the head covering is to a gypsy woman. Matter of fact, the term in the gypsy language for a woman's head covering is called declo. And in that word is the word deek. And that means look, see, or show. In other words, she's saying that she belongs to somebody else. And in many times in Eastern cultures, and even in the gypsy culture at one time, they would weave or sew into those head coverings coins, depending on the affluency of a family. If it was a wealthy family, it would be gold. In this case, it probably was a middle-class family. Today, the gypsies are so poor that they don't have coins in their head coverings anymore. So she's looking for this coin because it's precious. It's valuable. It has great importance to her. Ladies, it would be like you losing your wedding band. How would you feel if you lost your wedding ring? You'd be looking for it all over the place. So the coin has great value. It is This coin symbolizes that she belonged to someone else. So like the coin, the gypsies are lost but dear. They're lost but they're precious. They're lost but they're valuable. I want you to look at verse eight and I want you to see the second thought. Watch what it says here. Either what woman, having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle. Like the coin, the gypsies are lost but dear, but also like the coin, the gypsies are lost but in darkness. She had to light a candle to find the gypsies in the lost darkness. And that's because they love the darkness, because their deeds are evil. Satan has blinded them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You have to understand what it's like to be raised in a gypsy culture where you're told that you have permission by God to steal. You say, how did they do that? Well, there was a story they used to tell us when we were young children that the, a band of gypsies had stole the original set of nails that Christ was to be crucified with and therefore postponed or prolonged the crucifixion until the Romans came up with some other nails. Now, you know what? That'll soothe the conscience of a 10-year-old boy. But it wouldn't be Bible because it wouldn't be KJV, so I wouldn't believe it. 
But they, they, they train us, they program us. They're lost in darkness. Their darkness is, is the darkness of all, absolutely void of light. And the woman in our story had to light a candle to look for the coin. Look what she did. Does not light a candle. And God lit the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to look for lost gypsies, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel is what it talks about. He came to look for us in the darkness for the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Do you ever try to look for something of value that you lost in the dark without light? You can't do it. And we took the light of the gospel to the gypsies of Eastern Europe. Like the coin, the gypsies are lost but dear. Like the coin, the gypsies are lost in the darkness. But I want you to look another another thought in verse 8. Watch what it says there. Either what woman, having 10 pieces of silver, she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and, and seek diligently till she find it. And like the coin, the gypsies are lost in the dirt of their sin. She swept the house. Now, I would imagine to think that she's sweeping in places she never thought she was going to sweep for a long time. I imagine that when there was any heavy furniture, she moved it. She's sweeping. It's dark. The sun's going down. She's lit a candle, and she's sweeping. And by the time she gets done sweeping, she's got a, probably a pile of dirt. Don't you think? And in that pile of dirt, sometimes there's something valuable, isn't there? And maybe you see it shine, or maybe you see it glitter. It's maybe when you pull out that refrigerator every six months, you know, and decide that, hey, guys, aren't you glad the refrigerators have wheels now? And your wife may ask you to pull out the refrigerator and she begins to sweep up, you know, and as she's sweeping up and she gets ready to shovel up, you say, hold on there a minute, sweetie. I see something of value in that dirt. And you reach down there and sometimes you find a coin. It might be a quarter or a dime or something. You pick it up. It's greasy. It's my, you know what else you find under there? Some old olives that rolled under there, you know, some shredded cheese. I saw a refrigerator magnet, Brother Wiggins, that says what rolls under the refrigerator stays under the refrigerator. But you pick up the coin. It's dirty. You can barely make out the image. But you put it between your index finger and your thumb and you begin to, to rub it a little bit. You bring back the luster and the shine. You can see the image again. Listen, the gypsies are lost in the dirt of their sin. But watch now, Jesus has cleansed them. And his image is showing through them again. Listen, like the coin, the gypsies are lost in the dirt. The woman in our story swept the house. She probably swept in places she never swept in a long time. And finally, when the coin was found, it was probably marred due to the dirt. It's lost its luster. It lost its shine. The image was not visible. The gypsies are lost in the dirt of their sin. And they have lost the image of their creator. But now Christ has cleansed them. And his image is visible. But as the Bible says in John 15, 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you and praise God that God has cleansed us and now his image shows through us for all the world to see. They are cleansed by the blood of Jesus for Revelation says he has washed us from our sins in his own blood and now my precious gypsies shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 14 says you are the light of the world. They shine for Christ. And then finally, here's the last thought. Like the coin, the gypsies are lost but dear. They're precious, they're valuable. Like the coin, they're lost in the darkness. You have to light a candle. We need the light of the gospel to find them. Like the coin, the, lost, the gypsies are lost in the dirt of their sin, but they're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But here's the last thought. Look at the last phrase of verse 8. We'll read the whole verse. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, she lose one piece, does not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. Like the coin, 
the gypsies are looked for diligently. I like that word diligently. Uh, our culture is an undisciplined culture. By nature, I could sleep till noon every day. But I try to be like the Apostle Paul who brings his body under subjection uh, lest he should be a castaway. And so uh, my precious wife will tell you I jump out of bed at five o'clock in the morning. And But diligence is not something that's in our culture. But we need to be diligent about the Lord's work. It's a good word, isn't it? To be diligent and hardworking. Jesus is looking very hard for gypsies and all lost sinners to be saved. He's looking diligent because they are dear. They're of great value. He's looking for them diligently in the darkness of this world. Watch now. Jesus is looking for lost sinners. He's looking for gypsies. He's looking them diligently in the dirt of this world. And he uses people and circumstances to diligently seek them out. After the fall of communism, we um, were invited to a Romanian national pastor's home in Akron, Ohio. I was pastoring the gypsy work in Cleveland. And he called me on the phone and began speaking gypsy to me, which is unusual because most non-gypsies don't know our language. Predominantly, it's an unwritten language. And he told me that he was raised with my people in Bihor County, Romania. And um, he had told God that should communism ever fall, that he had promised God that if communism fell, he'd go back to Romania and establish churches amongst the gypsy people in which he was raised with. So he invited us to his home, and we went to his home for a meal, and he showed us a homemade video of the gypsies of Tinko, Romania. And of course, this is the first time that we're seeing actual film footage of the living conditions of the gypsies of Romania. And there's some in this auditorium who have seen my gypsies in Romania. Several people are here. And um, when we saw the video, we were cut to the heart and knew that we had to go see this firsthand. Now, I was pastoring the gypsy work in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. So in the missionary raised his support and went, the pastor raised his support and went back to Romania in May of 1995. In June of 1995, myself and another gypsy missionary followed him in. Unbeknownst to us, he decided that he was going to move to the big city, but we wanted to go to the gypsies that were in the video, which was the rural gypsies of Bihor County. So we flew into Budapest, took public transportation, uh, and ended up in a, near a town called Tinka. And Tinka was a small town, probably about 5,000 people, but we didn't have any car, uh, didn't have a car, didn't have a means of transportation, but walking. But we didn't care. We grabbed our backpacks and would walk off to these different parcels of land. There's no such thing as a gypsy village. Each village in town has a parcel of land that were given to the gypsies by the communist government, something, something like an Indian reservation. And under communism, they were getting social assistance, but since the fall of communism, they become destitute. And uh, we were staying in an old broken down boarding house and there were no restaurants in Think at that time. But my sister had sent with me two three pound Hickory Farm beef sticks. You know, the ones you get at Christmas time. And I had taken with me a case of Raymond chicken noodle soup, the ones that are a hundred for a dollar. Not really. Uh, and they were very light. I took a collapsible Sterno stove. I didn't know you couldn't take Sterno on an airplane. And I did. And that's what we had. We had beef stick and Raymond noodle soup every night and some of the homegrown tomatoes. Some of the greatest tomatoes I've ever eaten is in Romania, some of the fresh baked bread from the bakery. But we didn't care about food. We didn't care about living conditions because we were there to do Acts chapter 2 mission work. And so we'd grab our backpacks and go off to these smaller parts of these villages. And it was easy to find the small populations of gypsies. But our goal was to get to Tinka because that's where the video was made. 
When we came to the town of Dinka, a town of about 5,000 people, we didn't know exactly where the parcel of land was where the gypsies were living. We knew it wasn't where we had entered. I spoke no Romanian, so I couldn't ask a national. But as we entered the small town, there was a young gypsy boy, about six years old, gazing into a storefront window. And I said to him in the gypsy language, Kaile Roma, or where are the gypsies? Unbeknownst to us of why he took us where he took us, he led us by the hand clear across town to that small parcel of land which we wouldn't have found if there wasn't someone to help us. And he came to a small one-room house. And when I say a small one-room house, it couldn't have been any bigger than 10 by 10 or 12 by 12. As he came to the door of the house, he didn't knock, but he opened the door very quietly and almost walked in tiptoed. I looked at the missionary that was with, with me and I thought we should walk in the same way. So we walked into this house and we saw right away why he was stepping in quietly. No one lived in this house. This is a house where gypsies would assemble for the specific purpose of prayer. And when we walked in, there were 10 or 12 gypsies on their knees in a circle praying. They didn't know we had entered the room. One gypsy man was praying out loud in the gypsy language. I want you to see the sovereignty of God in all this. Gypsies are bilingual all over the world. They speak the language of the indigenous people that they live with, but they also speak the gypsy language. I speak English and gypsy. They would speak Romanian and gypsy. Had he prayed out loud in Romanian, I never would have understood a word of his prayer. But our sovereign father had him pray in gypsy, and here's what he prayed. He said, God, send us someone. Send us someone to tell us the truth of the gospel, for we are very confused. Now, to understand that prayer, the year is 1995. Communism had fallen six years prior, and in those six years, every cult and his brother from the West was coming into Eastern Europe, confusing these primitive people, telling them that if they ate pork, they couldn't go to heaven. That would be a real problem for Texas. <laughs> telling them that if they didn't go to church on Saturday, they couldn't go to heaven. And telling them that if they didn't speak in tongues, they couldn't go to heaven. You know the beliefs and doctrines that are associated with those beliefs. He said, God, we're very confused. Send us someone. He said his amen. He stood to his feet, has opened his eyes. And I, standing right before him, boldly said to him, in the gypsy language, I'm fourth generation away from Eastern Europe, and my language was preserved. I was the only kid in my school that spoke another language, and it confused me as a boy. But that day I knew why my language was preserved. And I said to him boldly, we are the answer to that prayer. Amen. How would you like to get your prayers answered that fast? <laughs> I told him that we were Americans, we were missionaries, we were Baptists, and I gave him a presentation of the gospel. He and several others in that room knelt and received Christ as their personal savior. He was a professional musician. He had his accordion by his side. He would bring it to play songs before they would pray. He got, ex gypsies are very emotional people. They laugh hard, they cry hard, they fight hard, and they celebrate hard. And he grabbed his accordion. We went out on the dirt roads of Tinker, Romania. He began to play. Gypsies came out of the woodwork. We were like the Pied Piper. I think they thought there was a party going on. And there, once again, on the dirt roads of Tinker, Romania, I preached the gospel, and many were saved. We had our first baptism of all August of that year and the nucleus of Man of Baptist Church of Thinker, Romania had been established. The man who got saved, who I heard praying, was a man by the name of Giza Feketa. He is now our national pastor of three gypsy churches in Romania. Who sought for Giza Feketa? Was it my idea? 
No, it was a father, heavenly father, who diligently sought him out, who tapped me on the shoulder and said, go to Romania and orchestrated every aspect of that union, every aspect of that meeting. Listen, God is diligently seeking for the lost. Here's our, the question we should ask. Are we diligently doing our part? Are we diligently reaching the lost? You know, we look at the time in which we live in political chaos, pandemic, economic crisis, social unrest. This is a great time to witness. Help me, church. This is a great time to witness. People are questioning. They're wondering. And you know what? We got the answer. His name is Jesus. Like the coin, the gypsies are lost but dear. They're precious. Like the coin, they're lost in the darkness. Jesus is the light of the light of Christ has saved them. Like the coin, they're lost in the dirt of their sin. Now they're clean through the blood of Christ. And like the coin, they're sought for diligently. Heads about and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.